Should you withhold your releases from streaming? That's a great question. Question I hear quite a lot. Welcome to Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr, where we talk about the art and culture of running an independent record label. And over the past couple of weeks, we've just been looking at some common questions, common questions that I see uh, in our Facebook group, common questions that I see uh, in emails from you or that I hear when we do our clarity calls, our coaching calls. So some of these questions are super basic. Some of them are a little bit um, subjective. Some of them are objective. Today, is, I think, is a little bit objective. Should you withhold your releases from streaming? A huge shout out, by the way, to our friends at Infinite Catalog for sponsoring today's episode. But more on them in a second. If you want the notes from this episode or you want to watch this episode on video, go to otherrecordlabels.com slash withhold. <laughs> That's withhold with two H's, I believe. Well, I'm spelling it with two H's. That's otherrecordlabels.com slash withhold for some resources for independent record labels and independent artists, um, as well as the notes from today's episode. Okay, so what do I mean by this, like, withhold your releases from streaming? Or some of you may have seen kind of the online debates a couple months ago with respect to Spotify and what they pay people or maybe some ethical reasons. And so some people are questioning, maybe I should just remove my music altogether from places like Spotify, maybe just Spotify, maybe all of the digital DSPs, maybe just from streaming. Maybe you don't believe in streaming or you don't think it pays well enough. So you want to remove your music from streaming. Some artists and labels opt to not allow their music to be available at all on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon. Sometimes it's individual DSPs, like I mentioned. Sometimes they don't upload their music to any DSP and severely limit how accessible their digital catalog is. They're very protective. In some cases, it's just digital downloads like Bandcamp or iTunes. So how do you do it? How are you, how, if you wanted to remove your music, we'll talk about five reasons whether you, why you should or shouldn't, but how would you do it? Let's say you already have music um, up there. Well, if you already have music on streaming, you would have to go into your digital distributor and request removal. A lot of digital distributors do this. In some cases, it can take 24 hours, which like is super fast. And in other cases, it might take 30 to 60 days. It's kind of all over all over the board. I've done it many times before for different reasons uh, where I've just had to remove a release or transfer it to someone else or whatever. Uh, if you are uploading new music, you simply just uncheck the box through your digital distributor when you're uploading a new release. So most distributors will show you all of the DSPs where they're going to be sending this new release to. There's often hundreds, most of them you've never heard of, most of them you may not ever make any money from, but you'll see the big ones. And if you, for ethical reasons or whatever, or to protest, you decide, I don't want it to go to Spotify, you can just uncheck that box. So why do people do it? Because I know some people who have done it, and certainly people have talked about doing it, well, I think the big reason is boycott. <clears throat> I think that people will boycott, you know, Spotify usually gets the bad rap because they do pay pretty poorly, especially compared to um, Apple. I think YouTube, how, how's YouTube? YouTube does okay. I think Amazon is pretty, is Amazon? No. So you know what? I Sorry, I shouldn't say, I know that, <clears throat> excuse me, I know that Spotify is low if not the lowest, one of the lowest, but I won't, I can't speak to anyone else. I know Apple is pretty good. I can't speak to too many others, uh, so I won't. But some people will remove their music or not upload their music to DSPs altogether out of protest, out of boycott and just saying, we believe artists should get paid more money. 
or, you know, there's also been times where like Spotify has, um, promoted other ideas and people and messaging that you may not agree with. And you're like, well, I just don't want to be a part of that, that same group of people. And so you remove your music. A lot of other people do it uh, for more control. They just want more control over their catalog and specifically more control over their pricing. They want to be able to say, this album is worth $10 in digital form. It's not worth $0.0001. It is worth $10. And so you can't control the pricing on Apple Music. You can't control the pricing on streaming. There is no pricing. It's just all-inclusive. And so some people will opt to only do their digital downloads through their own site on like Shopify or like Limited Run, Big Cartel, Bandcamp, where they can control the pricing. I mean, you, I, you know, you could upload an album in WAV format or FLAC and you could sell it for $100, a digital album. You can't do that on the DSPs, but you can if you have your own site or you do, do it on Bandcamp. And then the other reason why people might do it is exclusivity. We've talked about this before about the Bandcamp window, and this is a cool thing, is, and I know 12K Records did this for a little while. I don't know if they're still doing it, but they would maybe release on CD and vinyl and Bandcamp digital downloads, like high-resolution downloads. They would do that first. And then a couple weeks or a couple months or whenever they felt like it, they would then drop it to DSPs. So some people will withhold for a short time, or some people will just withhold altogether and say it's more exclusive because you have to get it from us. So I just want to give a little caveat before we dive into five reasons why I don't think you should withhold your music from streaming platforms. But just before I do go into that, um, I just want to say if you do withhold your music from streaming platforms, that's great. And I completely respect that. Today's episode, I want to explain why I personally don't withhold my music from streaming platforms, but it's not why I don't think you shouldn't, but just why I personally, with my label and my own music, why I don't, and why I don't think that most labels do. So most of the labels in our group, in our community that I've spoken to on the show, most, and I don't have a percentage, but but by far most, do not withhold their music from streaming. There are some. I can't think of any, but there are some. But anyway, if that is you, I respect you and more power to you. Okay, so we're going to dive in. But first, one more thing that is uh, that most labels do do, love saying that, most labels get overwhelmed with their royalties. And there's a company called Infinite Catalog who have built a super sleek and simple and easy to use and friendly platform that takes the overwhelm out of managing your label's royalties. And they just so happen to be the sponsor of this week's episode. So a huge shout out to them. Infinite Catalog is ideal for labels of all sizes, and they're the friendliest group of industry folks out there. They help you gather all of your revenue from sources like Bandcamp, live shows, Shopify, SoundCloud, Spotify, SoundExchange, anywhere your label makes money. And they organize that revenue data automatically and present it to you and your artist in a super sleek way, easy to understand, which means you're able to provide your artist with complete transparency. Go to infinitecatalog.com to learn more. But more importantly, go to infinitecatalog.com slash other record labels to see a demo of the platform in action and to get an exclusive discount from me. That's infinitecatalog.com slash other record labels. Okay, here are five reasons why you should not exclude your music from streaming platforms. 
Number one is the ability to analyze your analytics. That's a redundant sentence, but I'm going to say it again. The ability to analyze your analytics. What is this? Okay. So through Spotify, through a lot of these platforms like Apple Music and Amazon Music and now Tidal as well, YouTube certainly, you get to see things about your listeners that you may not get to see, you know, if um, if they order your records through your website. Um, you maybe get to see it a little bit through Bandcamp. But the really cool thing is getting to see not only information about your customers, like um, <clears throat> how they identify themselves or um, where they're from geographically. Those are all really cool things. And I've heard of people who have been using those that geographical data as a way to figure out maybe I should tour there. Like I, I have outside of Japan, I have like, uh, so a strong listener base in Montreal. I've never played in Montreal. I was just in Montreal. Bonjour. But I, I've never played there before. And I was, I guess like if I were to ever think I should go play somewhere, it probably should be Montreal. Cause that's where the, the number one location where my listeners are from. I don't know why it's cool. Thank you. Merci. But this is some of the, the geographical data is pretty cool, but I also think like some of the data into the songs and into your catalog is really interesting as well. And so there's a lot, I mean, I'm not even going to waste time. I'm skimming the surface here of what type of data is available for your music. But I also like, Bandcamp does this as well. I also like seeing where people are coming from. And Spotify has been experimenting with this a little bit too, showing you people who've been tweeting about your music. I like looking at the playlists. This has told me a lot, something really interesting about my own music, but the playlist data in Spotify for artists has showed me that I, on the user-generated playlist, so not just on the editorial playlist, but on the user-generated playlist, and we're talking about playlists that just have like a handful of followers or generate just an, any number of streams. But I've noticed this trend of people using my music in yoga playlists. And so there's been a lot of like, I think maybe one yoga influencer used one of my songs and just kind of, you know, trickled from there. But I've noticed that my music is used in yoga playlists. And so I don't know, like, does that change the way I write and record? No, but that kind of data from a record label standpoint is interesting, right? It's interesting that it's like, okay, this guy's music, specifically these three songs are like, for some reason, help with like yoga flow and, and yoga studios like this. And so there could be something about that. And I've done in the past where I've hit up some yogis on Instagram and who have like a decent following and pitched my music or pitched a new single to them. And it's been well received. It's kind of worked. So there's that kind of like interesting data that you can get from the streaming platforms that is a little bit harder to get from like the traditional model. Now, I will just give a shout out to Bandcamp because Bandcamp, especially Bandcamp Pro, does have some really great analytics. And it's nice to see, oh, look at all these plays came from this one blog who did a premiere, that kind of stuff. So a little shout out to Bandcamp. Even though they're not a streamer per se, and most people don't ban, uh, boycott uh, or remove their music from Bandcamp, but I just will say that as well. Number two is questioning your reasons. Okay, so if you're withholding your music from streaming, I just want to challenge you to uh, to to really meditate on the the primary reason why you're like what what is your objective? Why are we doing this? And and again, like I said at the beginning, if you have some strong positioning, some strong ethics uh, and values, and you have a really good understanding, and you're consistent with this then God bless you. I love that. And, and please share it with me. I'd love to hear it. 
the primary reason people exclude their music from Spotify, as an example, is out of principle, which is great. Um, but we just want to make sure, and again, I want to tread lightly here because I, I don't want to accuse anyone, but um, is this, okay, okay who's what I want to speak to? I want to speak to younger labels and younger artists who are maybe thinking, should I remove, remove my music out of protest? Well, I'll tell you what, if Taylor Swift takes her music off of Spotify, then that's going to have a significant impact and that's going to make huge waves in the industry. And I bet you Spotify will bend to her and, 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 you know, give into whatever demands in the same way that Apple music did back in 2015, when she said to them that it wasn't fair that artists weren't getting paid for the streams that customers were listening to during their three month free trial. And so Taylor Swift took Apple music to task on that and Apple gave in. So if Taylor Swift were to remove her music from streaming platforms, that would have a significant impact. I mean, it would murder her bottom line, but it would have a significant impact on the industry. But if you and I remove our music, are we're doing it out of protest? Great. Is it having an impact? Well, that may not be your objective. Your objective may not to be to make a statement to get seen and to, to make change. Your, your statement, your objective might just be for personal reasons that you feel it's the right thing to do. And that's completely different from what I'm talking about. But I just want to caution anyone who might be thinking, I'm going to exclude my music from streaming platforms as a way to make a point. I just, I would fear that, that small labels, small artists like us may not be getting that message clear. It, we might do better to continue to work with organizations who are challenging Congress, people like A2IM, who advocate for us, people, you know, like the other thing we could do is, is we can speak with our wallets as customers. And I would say, uh, I would argue that instead of not uploading your music, it would be to cancel your Spotify subscription would probably be a have a, a greater impact and also to advocate for ourselves and for our artists. And so instead of just removing your music from streaming or in lieu of removing your music from streaming, but instead when there are times like Spotify is increasing their pricing to kind of say, yeah, that is probably appropriate. And to speak up and say, it's probably uh, not really doesn't make a lot of financial sense for people to be paying $9.99 or less for the past 15 years to have a smorgasbord of every single recorded music in history. That doesn't work in the TV industry, right? You look at Disney Plus, you only get access to Disney titles for like $15. And so why should you be able to get every single piece of music ever recorded for only $9? And so to advocate and say, yeah, that pricing should come up and to kind of um, stick up for ourselves, I think that has a greater impact. Number three, and this is, you're probably familiar with this, is diversifying your revenue. Multiple revenue streams, diversifying where your money comes from, and acknowledging how unreliable and inconsistent those can be depending on various factors. So this is what I like about streaming, and this happens to me all the time. When I'll release a new album, and it gets kind of ignored, by the playlist curators and it just doesn't do very well. But then for some reason, a lovely retailer in Japan or Bandcamp has featured it and the vinyl is selling really well. And so now I'm the the strength of this album is on the backs of the physical product and vinyl. 
as opposed to the streaming. I've had the complete opposite where the vinyl isn't selling at all, but one song was placed on an editorial playlist and is blowing up and all of the revenue or 90% of the revenue is coming through streaming. So the beautiful thing about having multiple revenue streams, I've talked about this at length on this show, is that it's like insurance. When one thing isn't working, that's okay. We have a backup plan. If both things are working, great. If both things are not working, well, maybe you still have 50% of your revenue coming from tiny little things here and there, like sync licensing or some sort of merch. And so streaming to me is just one of these pieces of the overall pie. Sometimes it's huge and sometimes it's just crumbs, but it can fluctuate. And I believe that excluding your releases from streaming, you're excluding yourself completely from any streaming success whatsoever. So you might be saying, I don't have any streaming success. Well, that's 100% going to be true if you remove your music from streaming. Number four, are we on number four? Accepting the challenge of streaming. Okay, this is kind of goofy, but just hear me out for a second. Is your desire to remove your music from streaming, is it at all rooted in looking for a scapegoat? So your releases are doing poorly on streaming platforms. I get that. So are mine. So therefore, taking a stand and removing your music won't hurt you one bit and may generate may generate some attention because you're making a bold move. But like I've already mentioned, if your streaming protest is rooted in ethics and principles in something bigger than your own catalog, then mute what I'm about to say because I don't want to change your mind or discredit that viewpoint. But perhaps... A lot of us see Spotify revenue as so insignificant that we discredit the entire value of DSPs, where instead, maybe we should be rising to the challenge of improving our streaming numbers. Is it a legit protest or a low-key throwing in of the towel? So for those of you out there who like a challenge, instead of removing yourself from streaming because you're not making money, Start focusing more on increasing your streams, whatever that may look like for your label or for your releases. So challenge yourself. Don't give up so easy. When people say streaming means nothing to us, the fact is that's not true across the board. I know labels, I speak to labels all the time that have incredible streaming numbers. And maybe they haven't cracked the code with sync yet or with touring or with or with physical, but they've cracked the code with streaming. And so maybe for you, You just haven't cracked the code of streaming yet. And finally, number five, the most important reason why you shouldn't withhold your music from streaming is to respect your fans. Respect how they choose to consume music. In the same way that I hate seeing people disparage folks who buy or make cassettes because it's impractical or whatever, we shouldn't allow ourselves to be disparaging of people who stream music or the fact that streaming is a way to make music accessible to some people. Keep in mind that streaming may in fact be exposing a whole new swath of fans to your subgenre. They may not be necessarily aware of your releases or of your artists yet, but they are getting a chance to deep dive into your weird and super specific genre for no extra cost. Remember, streaming as low as the subscription price is, is still affordable to a lot of families and individuals. It still has increased the overall annual household spend on music. So I can't be too exclusive and say, 
please pay $30 plus shipping for my record on vinyl. That's the only way it's available. Because everyone's financial situation is different, especially globally. So it's just something to keep in mind that respecting fans and respecting the way that people consume music, I'm going to respect, if you're a passive listener, I've talked about the difference between a passive listener and an active listener. And I do not mean to disrespect people by calling them passive listeners, but there are people out there and I'm that way with certain genres. I don't have a ton of jazz artists that I specifically am aware of or know or have records of, but I do like jazz. And so I do find myself listening to jazz playlists or new jazz or tropical jazz. And I don't necessarily know individual artists, but I'm kind of a passive listener in that genre. Whereas other genres, I'm super active and I go to shows and I buy vinyl. So there are people out there who are passive listeners and we kind of want to, we don't want to disrespect them in the same way that we don't want other people to disrespect, disrespect how kind of like obsessed we are with buying impractical things like cassettes or $50 vinyl records that we keep sealed in cellophane. Do you know what I mean? So there you go. Five reasons why I don't think you should remove your music from streaming. If you have removed your music from streaming, Maybe this will convince you to bring it back, but I don't want to convince you. I want you to do what's right for you. But I think we have the ability to analyze our analytics. We should question our reasoning as to why we're doing, just so we know, just so that if somebody asks us, we have a good answer for that. I think we should open ourselves up to the opportunity to diversify our record label's revenue. We should challenge ourselves to, if we're not good at streaming, we're not good at streaming yet. And maybe we will be getting better if we stick with it. And then, of course, to respect the fans who like to consume music that way. I would encourage you to go to otherrecordlabels.com slash withhold. That's withhold with two H's. Otherrecordlabels.com slash withhold to get the notes from today's episode. Or if you just feel like watching this episode on video so you can see a handsome uh, Canadian speak to you for 20 minutes. That might be fun too. Go to otherrecordlabels.com slash withhold. And a huge shout out to our friends at Infinite Catalog, the best solution for record labels to manage their royalties, to keep everybody in the loop, and to get their artists paid. Go to infinitecatalog.com slash other record labels to learn more about their incredible royalty accounting software platform and to get a discount code from us. infinitecatalog.com slash other record labels. Thanks for listening. <laughs>